Welcome to the Happy Healthy Hairstylist Podcast. This is the podcast for the stylist who wants to work their magic behind the chair and make more money, all without sacrificing their health both mentally and physically. I'm your host, Shelby Bancourt. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Happy Healthy Hairstylist Podcast. So today I am in Tulum with some of my hairdressing friends. I'm here with Kelly and Sonia and Gracia, and we're going to be talking a little bit about how we run our salon business. Um, Kelly actually just wrote a book called Scissors Make Sense, and it's so freaking good. I read it in like two days. And we're all in like different areas of our career. Sonia owns a booth rental salon in Wisconsin. Gracia is a commission stylist. And I am in the process of hiring my first like real, real assistant. So I think that this is like really good that we're all just gonna have different points of views in this. And maybe you'll get a little bit from this podcast if you're in a situation similar to ours. So before we start the podcast, I do wanna remind you that the fee of the podcast is that you share it with a friend. That is the only thing I ask. I do not run ads on this podcast, but as we all know, in hairdressing, the best form of referrals is word of mouth. So I ask that you please pay the fee and share this with a friend. So Kelly, can you please introduce yourself to the audience? Yes. Hi, so I'm Kelly. I own a hair salon in Richmond, Virginia. It's called 1213 Hair Studio. We've been in business for 12 years and we are a commissioned salon um, with about 12 stylists and then three other support team. So nice. Um, How long have you been a hair and a salon owner? I have owned the salon for 12 years. Oh, yeah, you said that. I'm sorry. It's okay. <laughs> Hi, I'm Sonia Frederick. I um, own a rental salon in Madison, Wisconsin. I have been in business for like a year and a half. I opened a month before COVID really hit. Um, I have an assistant, but I'm going to be having my first, turning her into my first employee. So I need help with that. So I really love these conversations. Hell yeah. Hi, I'm Gracia and I've been behind the chair as a stylist for 10 years now and I'm working in Washington, D.C. Awesome. So we're all from different parts of the country and I think that this is going to be so interesting. Um, So Sonia, what's the first question you would have for the audience and for us on so you say that is your um, is your assistant going into a commission base or a booth rental base? Um, that's what we were talking about. I'm thinking commission because she's just going to be out of beauty school. So I'm still going to be training her and she's going to assist me and then start taking clients. Um, it'll be a combo. Awesome. So she'll be working commission. Um, she doesn't have clients. Are you going to be feeding her clients? I do have clients to give her, and people that are coming into the salon could take her, but she's also already bringing in people herself just from her Instagram and stuff. She's like, she's doing well already for being in beauty school, I think. (laughs) Awesome. Kelly, what would be your first role of advice? Like, you've had um, people go from assistant to commission stylist? Yes. So my advice would be to bring on the assistant, um, 
and have assisting days as well as take client days because you want her to go ahead and start generating an income and cover the cost of her. Um, so what I would do is say you don't want to have a brand new stylist open five days and booking one person per day. So you want to open up those high traffic days, get her booking. Then you can offer her an hourly wage. And if she's out making the hourly wage and commission, then you can do the difference. So she would get either the commission or the hourly wage for the time that she's working. And as she's building those two days, you would slowly transition her away from the from the assisting over into booking hours how do you determine the hourly wage so you can do this several different ways I mean depending on the budget in your salon if you want to pay more generously you can you can also start with what is kind of a minimum because you are guaranteeing the overage with the commission so whichever you know you're guaranteeing a minimum wage but then paying whatever the commission is so the potential there is greater if you have questions, please feel yeah. free, everyone here. Um, you have a question? No. Um, so is it hourly or commission, whichever is greater? Yes, that's what I would do. I like that. Because um, that is hard. Like, it, yeah. it's hard to be like, am I paying you enough? Like, can you survive with this? And like, I don't know about you guys, but like, I'm in Miami and rent just went up for me 30%. And it's like, damn, like the average income in Miami is like $50,000. But to have <laughs> to like live in an apartment, it's starting at two grand if you want a one bedroom. So it's it's almost at that area where I'm like, can like, what is my minimum wage? Does that make sense for me? Am I going to be making that amount of money back into my business by having this commission well, this, you know, assistant commission stylist like figuring out that I think that's the scariest part like do you agree I agree because I was doing the same thing when I was going to bring her on but then she had an externship through her beauty school that um they're not supposed to be you know getting paid but she's learning from me and everything and getting her hour her school hours too so that worked out and then I tipped her out um but I felt the same way. I'm like, actually, I have to support someone else other than just myself was very scary. And like, can I afford that? And like, you know, all of that. So I totally know how you feel on that. And now I'm going to be bringing her on. And um, as you're saying with the commission, I remember being a stylist and one of my, um, in a new salon and my owner, she's like, oh, you made, cause I was bringing in a lot more and whatever. And she's like, so I just gave you the commission cause you made so much more of that. And I was like, that's awesome. That was actually a really cool thing that, because I didn't ask about it. I didn't even, you know, I didn't even, th I was, you know, a stylist for three years. So I was very like, this is what I get, you know. And so I love that. And I like that you brought that up. I think it's fair. <laughs> so, Kelly, what, have you ever been an assistant? Uh, yeah, I started my career as an assistant with my aunt and uncle. What do you think has changed since you were an assistant? to now and how you how do you how, what do you do differently in your business and what you would advise salon owners to do that you didn't experience um so I think that 
a lot has changed in the industry. I think back in the day, it was, you know, for lack of better words, when you were an assistant, you were the salon bitch. And I think the mentality around that has changed so much to where we value them. We can't do the work without them if, if they are a necessity in the business. And it's having the understanding and the knowledge that you have to allow them to grow as they grow. Some people train an assistant and then they can never get out of the assistant mindset. And it's very abusive to that role. So you have to understand that your purpose is to grow them and graduate them on so that they can have their own career and flourish in the same way. What does that timeline look like? I think it varies from person to person. You have some people that are like really fast learners and then you have some that need a little bit more attention. So I have it structured to where we just start off with some things that they could immediately get jumped on. So we start with shampooing and blow drying so they can take those clients and make you money and earn back their hourly wage. Then we go into formal styling and makeup, which seems a little bit, you know, backwards to some people. They jump into cuts and color, but this way I can start putting them on higher ticket items like weddings. I'll train them in extension maintenance, things like that, where they can start making a high amount very fast then we get into cuts and colors and so I typically do two demos then I have them do it and then they have to do it six times perfectly before we'll graduate on to another another skill set is that during work hours or is that off work hours so I book it into their hours. So the way my assistants work, and I'm actually developing a new program in our salon because we're growing, is they will do two days of front desk because I think they need to not only know how to do it, but respect that role. Then they do two days assisting. So they flip-flop. I have two of them at any given time. And they'll flip-flop which days they do that. And then on Fridays, they alternate desk and training hours with me. So we do three hours, and I do pay them for their training. So this is based off of a commission, your salon's commission. So this is based off a commission model. And like, we're not saying that what Kelly does is perfect or that she advises every salon to do this. Cause I'm thinking to myself, um, and Sonia, you may relate to this, but like I have renters. So when it comes down to an assistant, it's like for me only, I don't have a front desk. I have a front desk who's like virtual. Um, so this can look very differently. Um, this is just what Kelly like finds success in, but you can take little parts of this and be like, oh, I kind of like the fact that I would train my assistant on how to book clients because it is beneficial. It's something that you don't even think about. How do you, how do we communicate with clients? How do we schedule a book? How do we double book? How do we like figure out the timing and what each client needs? Cause we all know that like timing is a starting at time, just like a starting at price. Um, I think that that's great. And keeping, I, I love that you said that you keep in mind like a higher ticket over what the average person would do because like I think okay yeah blow drying haircutting coloring extensions I think like that timeline because that's how I learned but I love that you're like no let's put them in a higher ticket so they can make more money right away did you think it did no I didn't think about that I would have thought of yes blow drying shampooing that stuff um but I wouldn't have thought of like yeah the higher ticket thing which yeah it's it's smart very smart (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Gracia, do you have anything that you want to add or like any commentary? Have you ever been an assistant? So I was an assistant at my first salon. um, And I guess I was one of the faster paced stylists. So I was only an assistant for about three months. And then I was on the floor. And some of the other girls were maybe an assistant for like a year and a half to two. So for me, the assistant program, I didn't realize it, but it actually hindered me because I went through it so fast. A lot of the other girls hated me for it. They were like, 
She's only been here for three months. What is she doing taking clients? And my boss was like, well, she did the assistant program faster than you guys. So why is that a big deal? And they never really got around to warming up to me from that point. So... It's interesting. Do you feel like, Kelly, do you feel like some people grow through this quicker than others? Like, can you see that someone would graduate for like three months in? Absolutely. And that's why we have the kind of the checklist. So we have bullet points of what's expected of them. And if anyone were to question it, then I would go back and show like, well, here's her checklist, right? She's done it twice. She's done this and she's successfully completed it six times perfectly. And there are people that want to jump right in and do it and other people that take their time. But I think you have to be fair across the board, which is why like I preach a whole lot about systems. And so as long as you have a system and then you can show other people and be transparent about the process, um, then it should hopefully eliminate a lot of that. I love that you talked about systems because um, I'm part of another like entrepreneur group and like we had like a whole month worth of calls like based solely on systems. And like when we think of systems, a lot of times we think of like the, you know, I need an Excel sheet and I need it to be super fucking fancy and then like have like all this. And it's like, yes, you can get to that. But like a system could be a basic checklist. It can be like, all right, um, you need to, like Kelly was saying, you need to perfect this service six times before we put you like out onto the floor. So systems can look differently. Kelly, do you want to like talk a little bit about systems? Yeah, that's something I talk on a lot. Um, And I think most people don't understand that like a system can be something really big, but it can also be something really small. And I just started creating mine by literally walking through the day. So from the time a stylist gets there to the time they leave, what does the day look like? And, you know, it can be as simple as I have a system that starts with unlock the door, turn on the computer, turn on the music. But I have that written out, their policies throughout the day. And then, of course, how I manage, how I do inventory, all of that's a system within the business. Um, that just really helps to make it flow like a well-oiled machine. So it can be big or small. I love that. Um, Because then, okay, so two things. So I think that what's good about that, I'm going to talk about the good and the bad. What's good about that, or like what I see as bad, um, (laughs) what's good about that is like, yo, I know what I needed to do when I came in. Like you, my, one of my mentors explains it as like, you should have a system so you can take like someone off the street who's never worked in your business and be able to, or maybe that's what you said in your book. Mm-hmm. Okay. Deja vu. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's what you said. <laughs> you should be able to take someone off the street and have them do the system and it should flow effortlessly. But the, the thing that I'm questioning is, do you get the yo, you're a little like crazy, you're a little, you know, the, what, what the average person would think. I would think like, oh my God, am I being too bossy? Is this too much? Like, is, am I being like too overbearing? You know, they're, they're adults. Like I've been told by one of my stylists, like, hey, you're not my mom. I'm like, trust me, I don't want to be your fucking mom. Like I like, but this is what I believe in my salon. So blah, blah, blah. And like, felt like I needed to justify it. Um, so do you feel like people find you a little bossy or is it like, what, what's your secret to that? So for starters, when I interview somebody, a lot of times people don't give their business or their handbook, if you will, 
to their people until day one of employment, that's actually the start of my interview. So I sit down with them and I, my first question is tell me all about you. And then I'll say, let me tell you about me and my company, because not only should you be a good fit for me, but I should be a good fit for you as well. And I present my whole business, which is extremely structured and organized. And you can see the ones who go cross-eyed and they're like, ugh. and then you can see the other ones who are just eating it up. And then I know like, that's my person. And when the interview is done, I actually say, okay, great. Take some time to think about this and contact me and I put the ball in their court and the go-getters are the ones that are going to come back to me and the other ones I never hear from and that's good because I don't want them so it's like I want people who align with my culture and the way I do things and those are the people they like the structure they want that structure and so I'm not really bossing them it's more like a manual for them to say if I'm not here you have all the answers we have a binder up front and it's got literal scripts like this is how you answer the phone (laughs) I want you to say these words because I want consistency and I look at it more as like building a brand than building a business I love that um so again if you guys have any questions like please give them um what would you do what would be your advice to someone who is like Sonia and I where it's like okay you already have your team how do you enforce these structures or these um systems systems, yes how do you um enforce systems when you already have a team that you like you know people are going to be reluctant to change when it whatever it is even if it's good even if it's bad like yo i'm switching the the type of coffee we have and someone's gonna bitch so (laughs) but the point is like how do you get them to like understand that this is important or what would be your advice to someone? Yeah. So I have two two pieces of advice. The first is my mentor was Nick Rojo, and he told me always, Kelly, you have to manage your past and grow your future. So the bed that you've already made, you're laying in it, and you can't go changing the things and terms that you agreed upon when you first hired them. But what you can do is make a fresh start. And I do at times when I've changed my whole commission scale, I have half my team on an old scale and half of them on a new scale. Now, sometimes if I run the numbers first, I'll find that the new scale actually benefits them. So I'll sit them down and say, look, I want to present this to you, but it is your choice on whether or not we make this change. So I would say, you know, sometimes you have to kind of live with what you've already done. If it's something that's really important to your business, a lot of times if I'm going to do something that's a major change, I try to make it a give and take. So if I'm going to be changing something that feels like a take for them, then I will try to find a way to give them a give and make sure that it's benefiting. So I'll say, I'm going to make this change, but this is why it's good for the company and this is why it's going to be good for you. And I've worked, you know, I've been in business 12 years, so I've worked really hard to build trust in the team. And they know that when I make decisions, I'm always making it for their better good. And I really believe if you're doing that, your business will thrive. My focus is never on my business, myself, or my own growth. It's always if I grow them first, the business is going to grow, always. That's beautiful. I think that's, like, a really good form of good leadership. Like, it's... um, I don't know about you ladies, but like I've had a really hard past with when it came down to business owners and like past like business owners or past managers that I've worked for um, where it's like you have to know these numbers, you have to do these numbers, you have to hit these goals because it's about me. And it was like never presented in a way. And if it was, maybe like maybe they had that like, you know, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt that they're like decent human beings. As I roll my eyes. Um, (laughs) But 
they, I think that is really cool. Like if you're a business owner or like you're looking to like hire an assistant and you're looking to have like a team of your own or even like a partnership, like maybe put the love into like their benefit and not like in business. I'm talking about in business, not like in a, in a relationship. I shouldn't have said that. Um, like put the love into like them and then just trust that if they feel supported, they feel like they're benefiting from it, then they're going to pour into the business, which is in return is going to pour into you. Um, yeah, I think that that's really good. Do any of you have like anything you want to talk about? Well, what you were saying is you felt like the people or your um, old bosses were just trying to benefit themselves or whatever, not like really you. And I, um, as I had my assistant and I'm like, okay, so did you learn something out from this today? Or what did you take away from today? Or, you know, whatnot and things. And I'm like totally focused on her growth and I really enjoy it. And I was really enjoying her assisting me and like me teaching her and helping her out. And I was just like, oh wait, maybe, maybe I could bring her on as employee. Oh, maybe I, maybe I could do this. Okay, maybe I will because I get so much out of it. It really fills my cup. It's really enjoyable. And so I realized, okay, well, I can do the rentals, but maybe she'll be my first employee and we'll see how this goes. And then, you know, she always has room to grow. And I want her to do good. It's not I want you to make me money. I, I want her to do good. And she, um, we are on a like we get along really great and I love her mindset and all this stuff. So I was like, okay, so if it's the right person, you know, I think it's going to work and I'm already benefiting. Like it's just feeling, making me feel like great and I enjoy it and it works and I have people to give her and all this stuff. So it's like, okay, maybe I'll do some of this and I'll do the hybrid thing and see how it goes. But um, that's why I was excited to talk to you about getting some systems in place because I haven't really needed them other than like, here's your rent, here are the rules, here's how we, you know, that kind of thing. As in, uh, this is, these are our policy, you know, like, I know what kind of things I would want, but I have to, like, get them all down and, like, have them out there. So um, this is great. I love how it all happened. <laughs> I have a ready-made kit that I can give you where it is literally done for you, and I'm happy to do that for you. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, so I really like the fact that we're like touching on like hiring the right person. Um, in my like in my I've I've worked for different types of salons where it's like open door policy. Anyone can work here if you want to work here because we're hiring. And then there was another one where it was like very interview based stylist. Like hey, if you don't even have like the right like image, we're not hiring you. And I was like, eh, that's kind of weird. At least you think I'm pretty because uh, I worked there. <laughs> but. Um, I, I love this because, you know, I'm in the process of hiring someone now and it it's almost like it's okay to be picky about who you're, who you're hiring because like Sonia said, the only reason why she's changing her outline of her business is because this is the right person. This is the person to grow. And like I have stylists that I work with that like they're they're all renters they're all in very different places like I could not put them through the same systems because they're not the right people for it but as being a renter they're the right people for it I can never like take them and be like hey let's like let's talk about commission based because although I think that you would benefit from this I just don't think that they would like like that they're not the right people for that so I think that when it comes down to um hiring it's okay to be like you don't fit this 
and you're not going to fit in this salon because I mean have any of you worked in a salon where you felt like this really isn't for me we're all nodding our head yeah like I've, I've worked in the salon or I've applied for salons and thankfully I didn't get the job because now looking in hindsight I'm like I would have never fit in there like that wouldn't have been my vibe like I, I applied for a salon in South Beach and it was very like pretentious and everyone there was like French and <laughs> here I am like this little like you know American girl and I think about it now and I'm like oh I wouldn't have been able to handle that clientele I would like I'm not like European enough like it, it was just one of those things um so Kelly do you have like any word of advice when it comes down to like how do you know if it's the right person? Like you were saying that like if they don't fit your policies, um, but like what do you do when the person's like a yes sir? Like a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like what do, you, what do you do after you hire the person and you're like, mm, now that I know this person, I don't think that this is going to work. Well, you're going to love this because there's a system for that. <laughs> um, so, you know, you don't really know like what someone's going to be like until they've worked with you for three to six months because everyone's on their best behavior in an interview and they're presenting the best sides of themselves. So I have um, a forum that I call a PDM, which is personal development. Um, and I meet with them once a month and we go over that and it starts off with they give an I give them an opportunity to talk to me about anything, questions, concerns that they have, ideas. Um, and then we go into numbers, how much of their like PTO they have left just that they always know where they stand with that. Um, and then I have a rating system, believe it or not, where it's like all of the policies that I hired them on. Um, it'll say like, are you, what's your punctuality? One through five dress code, one through five. And our dress code is like just no boobs, butts, bellies. It's pretty simple. Um, teamwork. Are you helping with like laundry and things like that? But it kind of covers everything that they agreed upon when I hired them. And if it's um, between like 24 and 30, then they get, you know, like a star. If there's any reason to have to talk to them, then I have kind of a process for that too, where it's like verbal warning, written warning. And then if we need to, which rarely happens, notice of termination, termination. So there's a a system in place that if I do need to weed them out, they know it's coming. Like they've given them every opportunity to change and to grow. And some people just don't want to grow and you can't force them. Um, and at that point, that's where you have a difficult conversation to say, you know, we've worked together. It's just clear that like we don't align. Um, maybe you'd be better off in a different salon situation. And in our area, we have very different salons. Like mine is more of that kind of clean, modern, professional office environment. And then we have some that are just like super hip, cool boho, you know. Um, and I'll refer them on to friends because just because they're not a right fit for me doesn't mean, you know, that they wouldn't be the right fit somewhere else. I love that. I think that's so good. Um, I think that the, the main theme is communication. It's like organizing how you're going to communicate with the other stylist. Because again, like if it's that underlying thing of like, hey, I'm trying to like do what's best for the stylist. How can you do what's best if you don't fucking talk to them? How do you do what's best if you don't have that time to be like, hey, how is this looking on your end? Like on my end, like I can bitch and moan about like certain things that you did that I didn't really like, which I find that as a business owner, like we had that like bird's eye view of like, you know, oh, she didn't do this or he didn't do this and all this kind of stuff. But like if you don't ask your stylist how they're feeling now, how do you know if your system's even working? I think that like it ties back in. Um, do you, Gracia, do you feel like at the salon you work at, your owner asks you how you're feeling, like does like a little check-in? 
No, not at my salon at all. To be honest, I just found out that our owner is no longer our owner during this pandemic, and I don't actually know who the owner of the salon is right now. Because she sold it, and they never actually said who bought it. They were just like, okay, so that girl isn't the owner anymore, but I don't really know who. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. So, huh. I think similar, well, kind of, not exactly, but, like, we were on education. Um, I was the manager of a different salon, and I was driving us girls to Chicago for education weekend and we some girls are texting us and they're like uh do you know we our salon is uh it's in the paper went bankrupt like declare bankruptcy and we're like what what we're on education right now that she's like what and um they I don't know so she filed for bankruptcy some sort of thing but it was with the different business names I'm not exactly sure how it worked but it was fine we're still in business but like clients were actually asking us we're in the salon like uh, so I heard that, yeah, you guys are, you know, filed bankruptcy and we we're just like, what, we weren't even told what to, how to, what to say to them. We weren't even told by the, like, it was so bad. I was just like, what is going on? And then even me being in the manager position, I was just like, people are looking at me and I'm like, I don't know what you should say. I don't know what you should do. Like, this is handled so horribly. I agree. Or even like even not like this drastic situation, more like there are changes being made and I don't know about them until they're being made. And like, for instance, yeah, well, I'm yeah, that was. But like even on like a smaller scale, like I was told at a commission based salon like, oh, Shelby's uh, Shelby's (laughs) Shelby, um, we're changing your hours. And on, you know, on these days, you're going to leave at five o'clock. But on Saturday, you're going to be here instead of leaving at four. You're going to leave at seven. And I was like, you're you're telling me this. You're not asking me this. You're not asking me like, hey, would this like, you know, does this work out better and all this kind of stuff? And I was like, well, what if I don't want to do that schedule? And they're like, well, then the door's there. And I'm like, I'm I'm your manager. I'm the manager. I'm the high, like I'm your master stylist, and you're enforcing this on me. You didn't communicate to me about the benefits of it. So I love that you said that. Like, it's the benefit, the employee benefit first. And like, I would have been fine if they're like, hey, Shelby, like, you know, we we want to talk to you about this. We want to like have you because you're in this manager position we want to like have you be able to like lead these newer stylists uh and the the timing that you have to do this unfortunately would have to be like you staying a little bit later on a Saturday I would have been like oh okay like I get a chance to like close the salon this is my chance to like step up as a leader but they were just like no we're gonna extend our hours of the salon and you're gonna work later and I was like oh what the fuck (laughs) so I think that the underlying theme is like, yo, don't leave your stylist out. Don't like, I think that's a, a huge, I mean, Kelly, you can definitely like touch on distrust in stylists. Like, yeah. Yeah. I think that, um, leadership can basically, I think that when I think of good leadership, I think of open communication and I think like mutual respect and mutual like we we both want to grow and learn so if we can like both be in the same you know in the same corner I want someone who's got my back if they're going to be my leader I want them to be like yo you're safe here I I got you I got a plan I'm going to help you you need to do the work but 
I'm going to catch you. Like, and I'm going to like push, put you in the right direction. You agree? Yeah. Here's the problem. I mean, what happens in our industry is people become very successful stylists and then they get booked and they don't know what to do with it. So they think the next step is I should own a salon, but not everyone is cut out to own a salon. And we had so many shitty salon owners, which is why we've had this huge independent boom, but a commission salon can be a beautiful thing. And I kind of, I say this in the book, but it's like, I think of your business as like you got married, right? You're married to that. You're going to fight for it. You want it to work. And then your stylists are all the little children of that marriage. And not that they are children, but like your job is that mother role. Your job is to nourish them and to grow them and to educate them and to kind of, you know, if they go to leave and go on to bigger things, like celebrate that. I have one right now who's opening his own salon and he came to me when it was just a concept. He hadn't even, he was like, Kelly, I think I want to do this. And I said, you absolutely should. And he's still with me as he's growing and building. And we've had so many people come to us and say, like, we're so impressed at how you're doing that. Like the fact that you're so supportive. And I'm like, it's silly to me that someone has to be impressed by that. Like, that's the way it should be. And, you know, with my team, I'm very honest about everything and it's transparency and I've got their backs and they know that because I look at it as my duty to support and grow them Um, and definitely don't keep anything a secret from them. You know, it just doesn't benefit anybody. I love that you say that because I have my first renter who's leaving and he told me a month's notice and he was like, Shelby, like, I want to tell you, like, I have this opportunity to co-own the salon they'll have a front desk they'll have assistance it's a bigger space for me but the hardest thing is I don't hate working here and this is the longest I've ever worked in a salon and it's perfect it's it's perfect and I was like you just fulfilled me so much as a salon owner because I've all like if someone's gonna leave my salon this is the situation I envisioned I envisioned someone being like Shelby I'm I'm leaving to like pursue something bigger thank you so much. And I mean, you don't have to thank me, but like just, Hey, I'm leaving on, on terms, not because you suck or you failed, but because this is a better opportunity. Yeah. Growth. And I, I kept on envisioning when I was opening a salon cause I never wanted to own a salon. Like I, I See? didn't, yes, I, I did not want to own a salon and I've made that very clear, but I wanted to have a space. I had coworkers work with me, which is why I wanted the rental thing. And I kept on envisioning someone leaving, like I didn't know what they, who they were, and them saying like, like me saying, how can I help you? Is there any way I can help you? I'm so happy for you. And I just kept on envisioning that. And I'm like, if I can just like lean into that person, into that owner of like, hey, I'm here to protect, to serve, but I understand that this is this may be temporary for you because I'm not willing to build someone up in a commission-based salon. I don't, I don't want that like business model. I want a rental salon. I want to be able to do my own thing, have the business owner, like be a business owner, but not so much like grow and like, I, I love like your business model is just not for me. Um, so it's cool. Like you can definitely set the tone on how your employees like come in, how they feel throughout their experience and how they leave. You can control certain aspects of that. You, I mean, if someone's an asshole, someone's an asshole and they're going to leave on bad terms, whether like whether you're nice or not. But I think that having systems in place and communication and all that I think that's like for me as far as this conversation this is my biggest take back what about you Sonia um 
My biggest take back would, well, I mean, the same thing I had with you is I didn't always want to have salon. Um, and I was trying to create the environment that I needed or that I was looking for, but I didn't find um, for rental. As in, like, there are people there to help you. You can help each other. You can collaborate. You know, you have, like, other people to work with to say hi to and help. Oh, I got lunch. You know, do you need something? That kind of stuff. Or shampoo or whatever. It doesn't matter. But there is somebody there. You have people there. Um, And if you want to go to classes together or host and different things. And the different rental places I was in, it was just not what they said they were going to be. They didn't keep up their half of the deal and so I was like I look around and I'm just like I can't work for anyone else again like I have to create my own thing like I guess I'm doing this you know so I did it and I was like well just you know yeah have renters and stuff but now I'm kind of leaning into the oh well I'm enjoying this and maybe I will like do the employee thing we'll try it out whatever and what is so great about our careers is we're open to so many different things. It doesn't have to be the same thing. I've been in the business for 20 years. I've, It's changed so much. And when I first started, it's completely different. And I am completely different than who I am now and everything. And so there's been so many different roles I've been able to play and not get sick of it and enjoy it and grow. And I, I just want to keep, you know, staying in it and learning and hand down my knowledge to other people that and help them because that's fulfilling to me. So good. Gracia, what was your biggest take back so far? So far, my biggest take back is that, Kelly, I hope to be a salon owner as amazing as you are. You. you are amazing, and I'm impressed, and I love all the systems that you have in place. Because <laughs> I have always wanted to be a salon owner, and I knew I wanted to be a different kind of salon owner, and I think Kelly's whole business system is something I could see pursuing and doing in my salon one day. That was so beautiful. Oh, and um, by the way, we snap when we are like happy instead of clapping. It's like a hair love thing. (laughs) Kelly, what's been um, your biggest take back from this conversation? Oh my goodness. I don't even know. I mean, other than the fact that like, I'm just always so fascinated by how different ways it can be done and I love that we started this whole thing off saying like my way is not the right way it's just the way that worked for me and like works it it aligns with me but that there is so many different ways and two of my really close friends in Richmond um they own a salon called Coco Lemon and they are independent and they're independent but not alone and you know we work together like if they have someone that comes in asking questions that aligns with me they send them to me and I send people to them um it's a lot of collaboration a lot of having each other's back and celebrating our differences like we're both successful we both exist in the same world and so it's neat to sit here and talk to you know booth rent salons commission salons a stylist like and how it all works so good Well, I want to thank you all for being on the podcast. This was beautiful. We are here in Tulum, and it's just so magical. So thank you all so much. And as always, you are what you think you are. Aspire to inspire, and we'll catch you next time. 